Good morning. How are we doing? <laughs> that was an awkward transition. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm late to the stage. All right, let me pray for us. Here we go. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Father, for this time together. We thank you, uh, Lord, of just time in worship. It is just good to be around one another. And um, Father, as we just kind of calm down and settle our hearts, Lord, and get ready to open up your word, Father, may you speak uh, just through me, Lord, and fill uh, me with your Holy Spirit as I get to share your word, Father. Um, Lord, I just pray as our country right now, Lord, is, is hurting in a lot of ways. Uh, Lord, I would, be, I would miss an opportunity, Lord, um, without just praying and lifting up our country, our country's leaders, our people, um, and all of us even here today, Lord, that are um, hurting, confused, in a lot of pain. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you send your son Jesus to redeem this earth, to redeem um, your people, Father. And uh, Father, would you bring peace on earth? Lord God, we need you. We need you to intervene. We need you, Lord, uh, for healing across our world because of obviously your sin problem, Lord. But above that right now in our country, um, with division and pain, um, Lord, and a lot of confusion. And so, Father, would you give us guidance? Would you give us clarity on how to act? Would you give us encouragement? Would you encourage us on how to be a part of change, Lord, and how to lead towards truth? And so, Lord, I, I ask those things today. Again, I'm just so grateful, Father, for the opportunity it is to teach your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, good morning. My name is Garrison Price. Uh, I get to serve here with student ministry and our young adult ministry on Tuesday nights. Um, and uh, it is good to be with y'all this morning. I want to welcome everyone, whether you're here, here in person and had to get your temperature checked outside uh, and hand sanitizer and all of that. I thank you for, for going about all of the kind of the guidelines we're trying to follow and do a good job of that. It is good to see all of you. Also, if you're joining with us online, I want to say welcome. Thank you for, for tuning in. We we know that obviously here at the Springs, we don't believe that the church is this gathering right here or is a building or in this case is a gym, but the church is a body of believers, is us, is you, is me, and how we live our lives, uh, not just Sunday morning here in this building, uh, but Sunday through Sunday and every single day and how you um, live your life as a follower of Jesus. So I just want to say welcome. It is good to see all of you. So as I begin, I want to kind of open up with a bit of a story and something that I had uh, experienced even two weeks ago. I was leading our young adults on a Tuesday night, and uh, we had a game night. And so young adults, it's a bunch of um, kind of post-college, just trying to figure life out. A lot of us, um, fr probably from the age of 22 to 35. And so we're all gathering together uh, on Tuesday nights, and we had a game night, all right? And so some, of the, some people were inside. We were at a house, um, and uh, inside there was a game going on with one group. The other group, including myself, were playing one of my favorite games called Telestrations, all right? I don't know if you've ever played Telestrations before, but the whole purpose of this game is you get a word at the beginning. There's, there it is, all right? You get the word at the very beginning, and there's 10. Everybody's given this individual little notebook, and it's in a spiral. It's spiral bound, right? And you start with one word. So you could get like... Um, a kid flying a kite, and that's your, that's your key word. So then you draw it, right? And then you pass it to the next person. So then they get your drawing. They have no idea what your word is. They get your drawing, and based off your drawing, they then write something of what they think that is, and so on and so forth. So these notebooks are all going around this circle. We played with 13 people, 
And at the very end of the game, there's really no winner, which I don't see the point of that. And uh, honestly, I don't know why I like the game if I can't win. But apart from that, the whole point of the game is to, at the very end, you get your notebook back and look at the progression from the word you were given at the beginning and the drawing at the very end. And it's a ton of fun. So I have an example up here. As you can see, I try to move out of the way. We started with lunch lady, okay, here at the beginning. The word lunch lady. So somebody drew a nice lady making lunch. And then we found Paula Dean was the next, all right? And then we had a drawing of what they think Paula Dean is, unfortunately. And then Humpty Dumpty followed that, all right? And then after that, don't know what that, obviously that's Humpty Dumpty falling. And then somebody thought it was Eskimo pie. And you get it back in the very end, you went from lunch lady to an Eskimo with a pie, all right? So it is crazy and it's unpredictable. But what the best part of this whole game is, is that at the very end, like I said, you get to see the progression in pictures and what people think your word was. And you get to kind of look back and say, okay, like I, I can't believe, how did we get here? How do we get to this end result? But then you get to see the process of how that happened. And then you draw, like I said, you get a word, you draw it, and you pass it on, and you pass it on. And the whole game would lose its whole purpose if there was no passing to the person to your left. So one, you see a progression, and then two, it's a whole purpose of the whole game is to pass it on and to let them then use your notebook or use their book and illustrations in their own definition of what they think it is, and then pass it on and pass it on and pass it on until you finally, at the end, get to look at your notebook and see how you got there. And this morning, as I kind of, we open back up into 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to be back in chapter 2 of Timothy, you can turn there, 1 through 7. I'm going to talk about a little bit about this progression, and then also we're going to say, pass it on. We're going to look at how our faith, in the same way we honestly think of our faith, imagine playing telestrations with getting this spiral notebook and holding it to yourself the whole time. There would be zero point. You would know exactly what you're doing. There would be zero point if you didn't pass it on. And so the whole purpose of that even word picture and illustration is to understand what Paul, this guy named Paul, who's writing to his younger brother in Christ, to his mentee. Paul is the mentor. He's bringing this guy along named Timothy, and he's giving an encouragement, and he's saying, hey, your faith is not your own to hold on to. It is not to get these words that I share and just hold on and just sit in your bubble What you're called to is pass it on to the next person. And you're going to hear this word, entrust to the next. Pass it on. And hopefully get to see the fruit of your labor when you do that. And so we're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 7. And we're going to talk about this, this main theme that we're going to say. And here's what my main point of today is. An established faith is a shared faith. In established faith. If you want a faith that is established, that is deeply rooted, something that is unwavering when the winds come, when suffering comes, when a world is throwing all these lies and the world right now is in shambles, and you want a faith that stands firm, it's one that is shared. And we're going to learn how to have an established faith and then how to share it, how to pass it on, sort of like telestrations. An established faith is a shared faith. And we're going to talk and we're going to see three ways that Paul says this. It's just straight up text this morning. I got no fluff. There's no, there's no pulling your leg or anything. This is straight from the word. So um, yeah, I just hope you're with me. Hope you read with me. Um, and we, thankfully, Paul lays it out for us. So in established faith, we're going to see three things. 
entrusted to the faithful. You are called to entrust to the faithful, entrust to other people, pass it on. You're called to share in suffering, and we're called to think on these things. So that's what we're going to kind of get into here in a little bit. Like I said, we are picking back up in 2 Timothy. John taught this about four weeks ago. Some of us are like, man, we're back. I forgot we were in 2 Timothy. We took a little hiatus, took a little break the past three weeks. So we are back. So as a refresher, Paul wrote this. It's a letter, like I said, to a younger brother in Christ, to a good friend, to a co-laborer named Timothy. Timothy's younger. Timothy's an aspiring minister of the gospel. He has walked with Paul. He has seen the way that Paul, arguably the greatest missionary and writer of the Christian faith, he has seen the way that Paul has suffered. He has seen the way that he has shared with people and shared the gospel and given his life away for this right here to bring the gospel to all nations. And so Paul's writing this last to Jeffrey, not last to Jeffrey, but a, a, a letter to say, hey, keep these things. If you were to hear one thing, my dad used to say that when I would get in trouble or like when he would, when he would um, encourage me with something, we'd be driving home from game. He'd say, hey, I got one thing, one thing for you to take. Just listen to this one thing. If you get anything, this is it. That is the purpose of this letter from Paul to Timothy. And he's encouraging him. He is setting him up. He knows that suffering is coming. He knows the journey that Timothy's about to embark on, not only as a follower of Jesus, but as a minister. And so he's preparing him for this, and he's encouraging him, and he's saying, you have seen the way that I've lived. You have seen the way that I've taught this to others. Do as I do. Say as I say. And that's where we pick up in chapter 2. So here we go. Let's read the word. Chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read through 7. It says, You then, my child... Speaking to, speaking to Timothy, this is Paul, older brother, mentor. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust, deliver, share to faithful men who will be able to, in turn, teach others also. Verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier, verse 4, gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So we're going to sit first in the first couple verses. So he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. Okay, so here's the situation. Paul is about to give exhortation. He is about to give commands on how Timothy should then lead, lead his life, should then how he should live his life. Okay, so we're going to have three things, like I said, entrust, share, and think, straight from the word. But an overarching idea and an overarching thing that Paul is trying for Timothy to understand before we get to those commands is one thing. Verse 1. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Without, be, without the strength that is from the grace of Jesus, two through six are impossible. Let me repeat that. Without strength that comes from grace by Jesus Christ that has saved me and now it gives me power to live my life in a new way. Two through six, the farmer, the soldier, we're going to get into those. Useless. 
if we don't get our strength from the source of grace that is in Jesus. Y'all got that? So if I have three commands I'm going to give you, if Paul's given Timothy three commands, we cannot miss verse one. What does that mean to be strengthened? Be strengthened for what? We're going to answer that question. What does it mean to be strengthened in grace? You see, if you were like me, growing up, I thought grace was just a pardon. I thought grace was just a pardon from sin. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And then I, now that I know I can go to heaven, I can live however the heck I want because grace is a pardon of my sin. Grace is far more than pardon. Does that make sense? Grace is far more than just, okay, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for that. Like now I get to kind of live my life and okay, yeah, I got God's grace and woo, you know, it is far more than that. There's power in grace. Grace is not just pardon, it is power. And what are you to be, what are you to do with this power that is in grace? Be strengthened by it. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, brother and sister of Jesus, if you are not a follower of Jesus and are interested in faith or questioning faith, whatever it is, let me tell you, wherever you land on that spectrum, that if you decide to follow Jesus Christ, suffering is coming, the road is hard. It is difficult to follow Jesus Christ, not easy. And I need more than a pardoning from grace to be able to withstand that and walk firmly. Amen? And if that is the case, I then have to have power from that grace that then strengthens me to walk faithfully. Why be strengthened? That begs the question. Strengthened for what? Verse 2. Here come the commands. And trust. And trust faithful men that I, you have heard the words that I've shared and trust them with truth and trust them with God's teaching, with Jesus' teaching and trust them with the word of God. Pass it on. So my point number one is entrust to the faithful. Entrust to the faithful. Overarching, be strengthened in grace, command, entrust to the faithful. It means share. An established faith is a shared faith. What are we entrusting? The very words of God, the very teachings of Christ, the teachings that Paul has given his life to and will ultimately lose his life because of. Entrust to faithful men through the power, through the strength that comes through grace. You are called to entrust what you have been given. It is not our own to hold on to, but to share, to pass it on, to say, okay, come on. Okay, I was taught by older brothers. I was taught by mentors. I was taught by my dad. However you came to know Jesus or were trained up, or maybe it's just Sunday to Sunday for you. Maybe it's church staff. I don't know. Whoever it may be, whoever has brought you along, it is then not ours to just stop and say, okay, thank you for that, and just keep going back and back and back. No, it's ours to then say, okay, who then can I share this with? Who then can I put my arm around in the faith and say, gotta know this. Let me encourage you. If you hear one thing, here's the gospel of Jesus. Here's grace. It's not just pardon, it's power. And you share, and you share, and you share. You are called to entrust to faithful men, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the words of God, the words of his teachings, of his disciples, 
Jesus, and in this case, Paul, to Timothy, who then Paul will bring others around him and say, hey, learn as I learned. Follow him as I follow him. Come on. It's discipleship. That's all this is. It's what it was supposed to be at its most natural form, and yet we can stray so far from this, and we miss the point. Who are you entrusting the gospel of Jesus or his words and his teachings, commands with? And here's another question I ask. How can you entrust something that you don't trust? How can I entrust something that I am not just rooted in and want to die seeking it? How can I entrust something if I don't first believe it? It would be in vain. It would not be to the depth that the gospel of Jesus Christ was meant to be shared and entrusted with. How can you entrust something you don't trust? And that's just the question it begs. And so our command, number one, is entrust the faithful. Find someone. Man, if you are a parent, this is such a great opportunity. Shameless plug, man. As a guy that works with students, your kids are begging for truth to be shared with them. Your kids are begging to be discipled, to be brought up in righteousness, to be trained for truth. Apart from what goes on in their school hallways and locker rooms and and camps they go to or whatever it is, you have an opportunity to disciple in your own home right now. Young adults, you have time on your hands to go and entrust this, that you say you believe and that we say we believe with somebody younger than us and bring them up and train them and invest our lives in others. It's not about us. An established faith is a shared faith. I got to keep rolling, all right? <laughs> all right. An established faith is a shared faith. Number one was entrust the faithful. Number two, share in suffering. Pick, pick back up in verse three with me. Share in suffering. Verse three says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of his crops. Okay, what the heck? All right, what is he talking about? He gives three different analogies, illustrations. All right, he starts with the soldier. What's the point of a soldier? He says, hey, who's a soldier if he's not wanting to please the one who enlisted him? If you know anything about soldiers, or in this case, what Paul is trying to get across is soldiers have to be focused with one single-minded focus on their ultimate goal. They don't get tangled up in civilian pursuits. Paul's point for Timothy to understand this and the reason he's bringing up a soldier and saying, hey, share in suffering. He knows what's coming. He knows the road will be hard for Timothy. He knows the winds will blow and he'll try to knock over his faith. He knows that false teachers are coming. He knows that our world is broken. Our country is broken. He knows that there are many things to distract us from his faith, from our faith. And we are called to share in suffering. This suffering here just means it is a grind. Following Jesus Christ and being a minister of the gospel that we are called to live in a manner worthy of, not just me or John, your pastor, but each and every one of us. 
It is a grind. And it's going to take strength from grace. You're called to entrust. And now, share in suffering as this soldier that has single-minded, devoted focus of saying, I want to, I'm not going to get tangled up in this world. I'm not going to get tangled up with these false ideas or claims of what truth is when I know what it is or should know what it is that I've been entrusted with. Amen? And if that is the case, what we get from the soldier and what Paul is saying about this soldier is saying, be devoted, single-minded. Don't get lost in all this. Be diligent. Hold this world loosely. Be loose to this world. Next, soldier. Next is an athlete. Anything we know about athletes, we got to work, and you got to work, and you got to work, and you got to work. And if you want to be, in this case, crowned with glory, crowned in honor, crowned in victory, he just uses us as a word picture, but us as a follower of Jesus of saying, man, if you ultimately want to be a follower, a man that has, a, a man and woman that has an established faith, take heart to this. An athlete, it takes diligence, and it's going to take hard work. And you really do reap what you sow. And if you take the off-season off and you don't work hard, you will see the benefits of that. And yet if you do, and in this case, crowned in victory in heaven, crowned in victory of a life well lived, faithful servant, it's worth it. It's worth the grind. It's worth the work we put into it today day after day after day. A soldier, an athlete, and lastly, the farmer. Farmer, you get up, you plant your seeds, you work your land. Ultimately, you work and you are responsible for your work and diligence and hard work. And you want to see the fruits come from your labor. You want to have a great harvest, but here's the thing. A farmer has to consistently get up, and here's another thing too, is that it is behind closed doors. Not many people see this. There's humility in this. There's humility in this farmer that say, man, I'm going to plant my seed, and ultimately it is up to the weather. It is, open, oh, it is up to the Lord on how he brings rain or sunshine or whatever it may be that I reap my harvest but it's going to take hard work. And it's going to take devotion. And it's going to take discipline. Timothy, brother and sister of Christ, for me, Garrison, it is going to take single-minded devotion as a soldier. Focus. It is going to take work behind closed doors, not seen to the normal eye or the human eye at all times, to be crowned, living a faithful life, obedience, obeying the rules, playing according to the rules so that I may be in victory and there not be an asterisk next to it that I've cheated the system. What Paul is saying is you cannot cheat this system and it's going to take work because suffering is coming. It is a journey. And so you are called to share in this grind, share in this suffering, be diligent, be single-minded, be focused, and see the fruits of your labor, which is what we all want. 
We all want to see the fruit, but the work is the hard part. And so we're called to share in suffering. Continuing, verse 7, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. All right, so this is what I love about the Word, man. This is awesome. It's been so fun studying this, and honestly, there's probably seven verses or seven different sermons I could give. And it's really, really difficult to trim and trim and trim and trim and to try to teach these because there's so many good things here. But look at this. Verse 1 says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's not up to us. That is in the grace that comes through Christ. Verse 7, so that's at the top. Verse 7, it bookends it. It ends this whole thought with, think on these things and the Lord will grant you understanding. Without that strength that comes from grace in Jesus, only by him, not by my own strength, and without the Lord giving us and granting us understanding to be able to take heed to these words, to be able to marinate, to be able to think on these things, it's impossible. Without verse 1, without verse 7, 2 through 6 are impossible for us. They're useless. I love that, man. Paul knew what he was doing. He's encouraging his younger brother in Christ of saying, bro, you can expect suffering. But listen here, you can work and be diligent and be single-minded and work and you see the fruit of your labor, but ultimately it's up to the Lord and his grace. And you pray and you seek and you think on these things to seek understanding. Number three, my third point and last one is think on these things. This word think here literally means marinate. Soak. Soak in these words of mine. Let them penetrate your heart. Think on these things. Sit in them. Dwell in these words and in my commands. Think. Think that is action. Think on these things. You want to be a soldier that is single-minded? Think. You want to be a farmer that's diligent, that works hard, and is disciplined to see the fruit of his labor? You think on these things. You want to be um, a man or woman that says, man, I want to have an established faith. I want to understand what faith is and how it changes my life. Think on these things. You wonder, man, if you're questioning, man, man, I have a ton of marital strife and there's a lot of conflict and I don't know how to resolve it. I don't know how to work through it. Think on these things. You say, man, I don't know. This world is throwing all these types of lies and social media is blowing up. I don't even know what to believe anymore. I don't know what truth is. Think on these things. You want to know why am I single and why am I struggling with this and and walking through my life with so many inconsistent? Why am I so anxious? Think on these things. Why is our world broken in need of a savior? And why are our leaders broken right now in our world? It's here. Think on these things. You want to know why we have broken friendships and bitterness that's just, our life is just dwelling in that at all times. Think on these things. You want to know why our faith gets swept away by any hardship that comes along or anything that you don't believe. Oh, that's not fair, God. Whatever it may be, think on these things. Dwell. Seek understanding. I love this, man. The same language that Paul uses here, Solomon, King Solomon, the wisest man on earth that needed to hear more and more truth, needed to lean on it as his life went on. And he made 
some poor decisions, but man, he goes to Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter two, I love this. The same language, listen to this. He even starts it the same way Paul starts his talk to Timothy. He starts it with, my son. He's entrusting him this wisdom. My son, if you receive my words, if you think on my words, if you take heed, if you soak them up, Treasure my commandments, making your ear attentive to them. Listen to all the action words. This is meant to be shared. Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. There's that word understanding. Remember verse 7, the Lord will grant you understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth came knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. That is good news. But it's action. Think on these things. Dwell in them. Seek understanding like silver. Be single-minded. Be devoted. Be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be diligent and disciplined for the, weary, for the road is weary and it will wear on us. Amen? Gosh. Suffering is coming. Share in suffering. The grind is real. Not only in ministry because it is really real in ministry as a minister and as a pastor but it is real in our everyday life. Living, trying to live for a truth that is not taught anymore and not shared very often and not talked about in a country and a world that has completely abandoned it. It is hard to think on these things, to be strengthened by the grace, and it is hard to follow Jesus in a world that is lost and dark Suffering is coming, church. And we've been given these commands by Paul. I'm so grateful for this, man. It's, been, it's just blessed me in so many ways. I've gotten to study over the past week or two just thinking on this. I'm like, gosh, like, I, I don't know about you. I, just, I desire something more than this. I desire something. And it just it, it, it spurred in me this ideas and these thoughts of just like, man, where am I lacking? Where am I not established? Where are my feet failing? What do I not believe? What am I not thinking? Will I reap what I sow? What is the fruit that I'm bearing, whether good or bad? And it points back into those times that whether or not I like it or not, I was either working diligently and disciplined to think on this or I wasn't. And I wasn't attuned to his words and there was disobedience, whatever it may be. So as I close, I remind us of what we learned, what Paul is trying to say as a mentor, as a faithful follower of Jesus, bringing up another brother saying, come on, man, follow me as I follow Jesus. Be strengthened in grace that is in Christ Jesus, and he gives us three commands. And trust the faithful. Pass it on. An established faith is a shared faith, baby. All right? Pass it on to the next person. 
An established faith is a shared faith. Number one, entrust to faithful men. Two, is share in suffering. And three, is to think, to dwell, to marinate, to sit in these truths so that your life brings fruit, so that you can know them deep down, write them on the tablets of your heart, and trust, share, and think. You want an established faith. Those are our commands. And so, now we get to go to application. What does this look like? How can we possibly do this? How is this attainable? Number one, it kind of just goes on within trust. Honestly, it's just straight from the word. And trust to faithful men and women. Mentor, bring them up. Parents, opportunity in your home. Like I already talked about. And trust, pass it on, share truth. Be bold in sharing it. I ask you, who are you bringing up in the faith? Whether if you have kids or not. Even if you do have kids, who else are you investing in? Students, teenagers, young adults. Who are you bringing along in the faith? Who is your Timothy? Who are you entrusting it with? Or are we just sitting on it? Mentor and share with others. Serve somewhere. Get plugged in. Be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Be a part of something bigger. And trust. And trust these words to the next person. Share. Second. We're called to share in suffering. What does that look like, man? It looks like knowing that it is a grind to follow Jesus. It is a grind to be a follower. Not only that, we have many brothers and sisters right now that are suffering. You mourn with those who mourn. You weep with those who weep. You celebrate and rejoice in celebration and rejoicing. So whether that is in your community group, whenever you meet, week to week, checking in on each other, wrapping arms around each other and saying, keep going. I'm going to encourage you. Keep walking. Keep entrusting. Where are you entrusting others? Let me share in this with you. Let me share you with you blind spots of what I see in you right now, and how can I encourage you to continue to walk and then be open for that from others, of saying, man, how can I grow? Push me to be a better man or woman. Push me to be a better friend. Share in suffering. Love on one another. You were never meant to do this alone. And if that is you, of saying, man, how can I find this? Come talk to me afterwards. Come talk to Jonathan afterwards. Anyone say, man, got to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Find community. Share in suffering. And then lastly, that goes along with think on these things. You really do make time for what's important to you. We really do. You are in charge of your schedule. I am in charge of my schedule. Even when the world says you're not, even more job and busyness and the noise and noise of life tells us we're not. You make time for what's important to you. Make the time to think on these things. Make the time to dwell in this. You can't entrust what you don't trust. You can't entrust or share what you don't know. Get to know it. Get to know it. Make time for what's important to you. If this just spurs something in you this morning of that, I want to make this important to me and a priority in my life, let's get going. And trust, share, think. 
I began this, if you remember, with the talk about telestrations and about this spiral notebook that you go back and you get to look as you've passed it on. You pass it to the next person, and at the end of the game, you get to flip through it and see pictures and words and a, and a progression of what it became. And the reason I start with this and I'll end with this is that I kind of got an idea of that, and I, I thought about this as I figured out how to close this talk, and I got to see a vivid picture of this a couple months ago. It was the beginning of April, and I was home in Tennessee with my family, and we were grieving the loss of my brother Matthew. And we're all just kind of in our own quarantine, and that was when coronavirus hit, and all this started happening. It was just a, it was a really hard time, and it still is. I'm not going to lie, and it, it still hits us every single day, and the grief does not stop. But as we sit there, my brothers and I, we get a text message. My older brothers and I, we get a text from one of Matthew's good buddies and former roommates, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm going to start a fire tonight in my backyard, and we'd love for you boys to come over. So they order pizza, we go over there and we hang out with, here sitting with me is my two older brothers, Nate and Luke. And then around the circle are three or four of Matthew's good buddies in Nashville, including this former roommate of his. And Matthew was a songwriter, he was a musician, he worked in the music industry in Nashville. And all these guys, I'm looking across at country stars and writers and producers, all in this circle around this fire. And they start sharing stories of my brother. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm thinking about this as I'm even preparing for this, of like, I was sitting there looking at this book of pictures in my brother's life. And I'm sitting there hearing stories I've never heard before, and I had no idea about my brother behind closed doors. When I had no idea, and my brother was a goon, and yes, we shared like guys do, we cut up and shared dumb stories and goofy stories and embarrassing ones and ones that I'm not probably can't tell on this stage about my brother and things that happened with the buddies and, and stories as we shared as brothers. You won't believe this. And then they start sharing. Six years ago, seven years ago, we were new to town and living for ourselves and living in the music scene, which is not saved at all. Very lost scene in Nashville. And I met a guy named Matthew Price who called me to his house and he pulled a Bible out. I haven't seen a Bible, I haven't read the Bible since I was in eighth grade and young, like I in Bible buddies. This is what these guys are saying. My brother pulls the Bible out and starts sharing with them. Hey, the reason you have a voice is because of God. The reason you have the words you say is because you've been given a gift from a higher creator. The reason you are in Nashville right now is because God has a greater plan for your life, whether you believe it or not. And I was sitting there on holy ground, blown away, like, you're kidding me. I had no idea. I didn't know about this, about these guys. I didn't know my brother had entrusted how he was raised and brought up in a faithful home for parents that wanted to do it, not perfectly, but wanted to share this faith with him and with my siblings and I and brought us up in that and entrusted us with this. And then Matthew then sitting there in his home with a bunch of music, you know, musicians and all that six years ago in a living room saying, I'm going to entrust you. And I got to see the fruit of that labor. And it blessed me and it blessed those men. And I get to probably, I, I don't, this isn't smart or ideally theologically, but hopefully sit around a fire in heaven with my brother and these men because of his faith. And they said, I would not know the name of Jesus Christ without your brother in that Bible study. 
because he was faithful to entrust. He shared in our suffering. We knew it was a grind when we started to come to know Jesus. It was hard to leave some of that world behind. And he wrapped us around and shared with us in our own suffering, in our own lives of loss and heartbreak and heartache. And he was there for me. And because of the many times and many years of wrestling with faith and thinking about God and who he is and searching for him like silver, it blessed these men. And now, in return, it blessed my brothers and I as we are in tears. I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for that night. It was a beautiful picture of a man that had an established faith as we flip through the book of his life and seeing pictures of saying, praise God, thank you. I had no idea. Of course he did. He entrusted, he shared, and he thought on those things. And because of that, he knows Jesus, and those men know Jesus. Beautiful. So grateful. So thankful for the opportunity to teach this morning. I love y'all a ton. I'm going to pray. Father God, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for what it means to be able to think on these things, Lord, that you give us literally your word to be able to learn from, to grow from, to be encouraged by, to be strengthened by. We thank you for your grace, and first and foremost, the grace that you have literally saved me from just wretchedness. And I thank you for that, Father. Lord, I pray for this church that Springs is encouraged, that New Braunfels has changed, that this country has changed, because people then know that my faith is not my own, it is then to be shared. I pray that more faiths are established out of this room this morning than ever before, Lord. Would you do that through your grace? We love you. We thank you for this time. It's so good to be together with one another. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.